Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Welcome back to this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm John Russell, and I'm here with my dear friend, Frank Friedman. And sir, you are well, I presume? Doing very well, John. It's a great day outside and a great day inside. <laughs> Indeed it is. Well, Frank, we have been talking about grace, the grace of God, uh, as part of an ongoing series that we're developing on some of the pivotal words in Scripture. And we've talked about a bunch of things so far about grace, but I want to pick up today on our last conversation about grace, this thought that sometimes what God does doesn't seem so gracious to us. Hmm. You know, sometimes bad things happen. So I want to focus on that thought today, but I want to begin by taking you back to the end of our last episode where you gave us a definition, your definition of grace. Can you reiterate that for us as our launching point for today? Sure. I'll do it from memory as best I can. <laughs> grace is being delivered from the economy of performing, which is the law that Adam placed us all into, and being placed instead into an economy of receiving. All that God is to whatever we need in the moment of trust. And so the idea, John, was that instead of trying to uh, pull off life by ourselves, we draw life from God and he is sufficient in all things to enable us to live confidently and courageously in a fallen world. Indeed, and that's important to know, especially when we deal with the question we're going to deal with today, that what happens when bad things happen to us? Mm. And I want to begin with the, with the basic premise, Frank. Mm. You know, when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, he gave us his super abundant, overwhelming, over-the-top, overflowing grace, favor, blessings. Uh, I'll put it this way. God didn't skimp, Frank when he saved us and he doesn't skimp when he expresses his life and his grace through us. You know, basically God is not a freedman, <laughs> you know, and you and I have talked about this before. God is grace. He doesn't just have grace. He is grace. So why is that important that God is grace, Frank? Well, John, because I think there's a lot of people out there who think once we enter into the grace of God that everything's going to be smooth and rosy for the rest of our lives, and nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is the person of grace, Titus 2, 11 and 12, lived in grace, independence, if you will, on his father. Philippians 2 is the key passage in the New Testament. He is God by nature. But when he came to this planet to dwell among man, 
He didn't live as God. He lived as man, completely trusting his father in everything. But the father didn't transform the world that Jesus lived in. He lived in a fallen world. But as he did and caught all the brunt of evil and slander and hatred the world can throw at a person, he depended upon his father and walked through this world courageously and confidently fulfilling his father's will for his life, which was to trust him and eventually go to the cross. It's the same way for us, John. Jesus told us way back in John, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But then he said this, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so his overcoming life is in our life. He changed us. He didn't change the world we live in. The world's still going to be the world. It's not going to be a kind place sometimes. But we now have grace, the person of God himself living inside us expressing himself through us to overcome the world with his life. You know, everything that happens to us, Frank, happens because our father, our gracious father, has allowed it to happen. Because he is grace, as part of his personhood, I know you like to use that word, his personhood is grace. Everything he does is grace. In all of his dealings with us, he is always gracious. He is only gracious. Uh, he never stops being gracious, Frank. So mm. even when bad things happen, he's still being gracious to us, not necessarily because he sent that bad thing, but because his grace in us, in us is sufficient to face that bad thing and still manifest the life he gave us as we walk through that valley of the shadow of death. Am I on target? Yeah, John, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking of Psalm 23. Yep. I, he doesn't say we don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death anymore. He says that while we're in this valley of the shadow of death, he will provide us with green pastures. He'll provide us with water. And he'll eventually lead us out of that valley into a feast prepared in the presence of our enemies, which is a nice way of saying what I would say, nah, 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 you lost. <laughs> <laughs> you start to get into this question. Though. I had this conversation with a person last week. They said, why did he allow sin in the first place? And, you know, John, I told this person, I said, I'm going to give you my answer. But before I do, I'm going to give you Deuteronomy 29, 29 which says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us. My friend, I told him, I'm going to stand on the things that are revealed to me. God loves me. God is sufficient for me. He's made me right. He's made me holy. He's got me. I can never be lost. I can go through dark times, but he's going to be my strength. That's what I want to stand on. But because you asked you need to know this is not something that's been revealed, so we don't know. Now I'll answer your question. Why did he allow sin in the first place? Wouldn't it have been great just to not allow that? Here's one thing, John. I don't think the universe would have ever understood the grace of God because there would have been no need for it. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, grace was a given. 
Only after the fall did grace become magnified for how incredible it is. It was one thing to be created. By the way, you've thought about this. I know you have. You can't deserve to be created because <laughs> you haven't done anything yet. Being created is grace. So grace was there, always has been. But grace gets magnified the more it's needed to the extent that in Peter, John, it says the angels stoop down low to look into this thing we have called salvation by grace. And when we read the rest of the Bible, we know why they're doing that. All their buddies, when they fell with Satan, they did not get a second chance. They went with Satan and sealed their doom forever. Here we are failing practically every day and grace continues to abound. And the angels look at that and scratch their heads. So my answer was very simply, we would have never understood the depths of God's grace without sin. And of course, that didn't satisfy him. Well, that's because it's something that belongs to the mind of God. Yeah. That's the best human answer I can give. And it's not enough. No, but, uh, you know, that's that's the same answer that we see repeatedly in Scripture. You know, when bad things are happening, we want an answer. We want an explanation. We want to know what, when, how, and why, and when's it going to end. Frank, I think of Job. Mm, I'm and glad you brought that up. <laughs> so many, so many believers think that, or not even believers, just generally people who have some knowledge of God, when something bad happens, or they think it's bad, they immediately say, well, God's judging me. He's finally putting the hammer down, and this is what it looks like. So I want us to spend a few moments talking about Job, and I want to begin with this baseline bedrock truth about Job. Chapter one, he was blameless and upright. Mm. You know, and God says, hey, consider my servant. Take a look at my servant, Job, man. He's blameless and upright. There was nothing that this guy was doing that was blatantly sinful so that everything that happened wasn't a result of his sins, his mm. failures. But nonetheless, God stepped in and he parted his protective hedge. Let the enemy do a defined number of, of bad things to Job. He struggled. Job struggled. He argued with God. But after the argument with God, <laughs> he winds up saying exactly what you just said a few moments ago. This is in Job 42. I've heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes really see you. So mm -hmm. I repent in dust and ashes. So basically, Job said, I knew you, but boy, I really didn't know you as well as you wanted me to know you. And so I repent from arguing with you over why you sent this, and I willingly receive it as a gift from your hands because it lets me know you better than I've ever known you before. So comment on that, my friend. Well, John, as you know, I recently wrote a book uh, called Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. Yes, I know. It's just a softball, <laughs> my friend. Pitch it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I had to do, of course, in that book is deal with Job. And, you know, I'd read Job before, heard it taught many times, but you mentioned it. Job argues with God a little bit. He finally reaches that point where he asks some questions. 
And uh, what's going on, God? You know, why are you allowing this? And God's response was interesting. He says to Job, oh, you want to have a conversation with your creator? Tighten your belt, son. Here we go. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my goodness. And John, I knew that God asked Job questions at that point. Uh, but I didn't realize how many. You know, until you write a book, you really have to study. I thought there was maybe 14, 15 questions. I counted them. God asked Job 77 questions, John. And not a one of them Job could answer. Uh, were you there when I hung the earth in the sky? Were you there when I created the stars and called them by name? Were you there when I put the mane on the horse? And of course, Job just sits here rapid fire. It's like a poor boxer in the ring that doesn't get to throw a punch, but only receives punches. And when it's all done, the knockout blow has been given. And Job realizes something. And John, this just busted me when I, I discovered it. Job never got an answer, John, to his question. Uh, what he got was a glimpse into how big God is and how good God is. And when he saw that, he also saw how small he was. And then realizing that, the conclusion is this huge, big, glorious, good God takes mind of me. And that's when he says, wow, I used to think I knew you, but now, boy, do I see. And, you know, John, I think with grace, that's our greatest need. Every one of us, because of the fall, thinks more of ourselves than we should. We think we're the center of the universe. Under that lie, we shall be as God. And we need to see ourselves a lot more smaller than we think we are. And then see God as a lot bigger than we think he is. And, you know, I think that'll take care of us in terms of a lot of the questions we have. Job didn't at that point say, well, God, you never answered my question. <laughs> yeah. He just said, that was enough. That was enough. You're so big. I can't do anything but trust you. You know, That's this, grace. You've, you've hit on it, Frank. We can't do anything but trust him because he knows what he's doing. We don't. You know, we tend to walk through life concerned with our surface needs mm -hmm. you know the, the daily things you recognize you know my I'm, I'm, I'm too fat I gotta my neck hurts mm -hmm. uh, I'm having a fight with my wife or I don't like my job or, or you know whatever just the surface needs and those are the things we generally take to God most often and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that we're supposed to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for every little nuance of the things in our life but there's a deeper thing that we often miss. We stated it, Frank, when we wrote the introduction to our Galatians commentary, and it relates to the fact that we don't see our really deep root needs, our basic needs. And we said it this way, as water flows to the deepest level, grace moves to meet our deepest needs, the needs that sometimes we don't even know we have. Mm -hmm. So applying that to Job, he had 
obtained babies. He had lots of flocks. He had herds. He had a big house. He had a wife. But he had no idea that what he really needed was a more intimate understanding of his father. And mm -hmm. father loved him too much to leave him mm -hmm. in that position of ignorance. So he brought him through that valley of the shadow of death so he could supply what was missing in Job's life. Is that on target? Yeah. And I would just complete the thought by saying what he supplied was himself. Yes. This intimate union that will blow your mind to think that the living God of the universe wants to know you walk with you, be everything to you. You know, John, doing counseling for almost 40 years, I would have people come in all the time, just like Job, bewildered at what they were going through. And time and time again, as they found God in that journey through the valley, they would say to me, I really didn't like going through that valley. But if going through that valley was the only way to get to God the way I now know him, I'd go through the valley again. The greater joy of knowing God put the pain of this world into a proper perspective for them. Yes, indeed. The same thing happened with Habakkuk, Frank. You oh. talk about a proper perspective. <laughs> oh, the same gosh. thing with Habakkuk. You know, quick summary of, of uh, Habakkuk chapter one. He's complaining to God about Israel. Uh, and the sin, God says, okay, I'll take care of it, son, no worries. I'm going to send the Chaldeans. And he says, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop right there. They're more wicked than we are. What are you doing? And God says, just trust me. Mm. Whoa. And the same process unpacks for Habakkuk. He yeah. winds up say, in, in chapter three saying, Though the fig tree should not blossom. You know, this passage we see yeah. everywhere. The fig tree won't blossom. No fruit on the vines. No olives. No food in the fields. No flocks. No herds. All this could happen. But I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will take joy. Listen to this. I will be joyful mm. in my God. Because my joy in my God is greater than all of these wants and needs. And struggles and sufferings that I have before me. My goodness, Frank, it's the same lesson, isn't it? Oh, goodness, John. It's probably my favorite book of the Old Testament because, you know, it puts the book of Job into three pages instead of 50. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, you think about it, all of the Chaldeans was in response to Habakkuk's prayer. Lord, you got to do something about your people, Israel. Yeah, all right, I've heard that prayer. I'm going to wipe them out. And, and you know, Habakkuk's got to be going, why did I pray? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> And, and then to just be given that answer, just to just to live by faith. What I love about Habakkuk, John, and what makes it one of my favorite books is he didn't do all of this with a Sunday smile and a Sunday suit. He tells us right before that passage you quoted, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, yet will I rejoice in you. Tremendous spiritual tenacity. But right before that, he said, there's trembling on my lips and decay in my bones. His was a really honest faith. Lord, your answer to me scares me. It hurts me. I feel like I'm dying here to know what I have to walk through. 
yet. And that's the key, John. Our listeners who are out there, John, they, they need to hear this. Whatever you're going through, if you will put your hand in God's, it's not the end of the story. He will write a finish to this chapter that you're going through that will blow your mind with his faithfulness, his love, his care, and his concern for you. And I say that confidently because in the book of Job, and let's just take a quick view of what he went through. He lost 10 children in one day, all killed by a violent storm. He lost his business. He lost his wealth. He lost his friends. He lost his health. And probably the biggest blow of all, he lost his wife. Well, not that they got divorced or she died, but they lost the intimate union they had because she couldn't understand all that was going on. Even telling her husband, just curse God and die. There was no empathy, no comfort, no understanding, no sympathy. And yet at the end of the book, when Job dies, he doesn't look back on his life and say, boy, I lost those 10 babies. I lost my job. I lost. It says, Job died a very blessed and happy man. God rewrote those chapters from grief into glory. Yeah. And that's what only his grace can do for you. That's why we are so thrilled about grace, John. That's why you and I did these podcasts. We want to protect grace from false teaching, from misunderstanding, from perversion. Uh, grace is a person. His name is Jesus. He wants to walk with you, be everything to you as you trust him. That's right. And he loves us so much, Frank, that he's willing to not allow us to settle for a relationship with him that isn't all it could be. And so he risks our anger and rejection by parting the heads like he did with Job. Mm -hmm. But we must understand that because he is grace and he is love, both infinite, he does the most constructive, the most loving, the most redemptive thing possible for us. And when we look at our adverse circumstances through that lens, seeing that it is loving, constructive, and redemptive from our Father, it changes things, Frank. It does. Mm. And so with that, wrap us up, my friend. Oh, my goodness, John. Yeah, he's a jealous lover. He doesn't want you and I to run to another source that isn't going to satisfy us that may even bring us harm. So he'll work in that other source to bring us back to our true source. Probably the greatest illustration of this is the prodigal. You know, God let that boy go. You want that desire? Go. The poor boy came to the end of his resources. He sold himself into slavery eating pig food and then got caught and couldn't even do that anymore. And finally in desperation, the boy comes home. But what he came home to, he didn't expect. I'm sure he expected some guilt, some shame, 
But the father uh, put his robe on him, put his shoes on him. Nobody's going to know he was a slave. Nobody's going to know he was in, with the pigs. He's protecting him. And then the wonder of wonders, he gave him the family signet ring, which is basically the family credit card. When I meditate on that, he's saying, I trust you, son. Yes. And that's the kind of God we have. And yeah, he'll use whatever resource he needs to use to bring you to himself because he knows that is the very best place on this planet you can be. He loves you that much. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the podcast. Please check out our website, www.ourresolutehope.com. You'll find lots of resources there to help you, including the book that Frank mentioned a few moments ago, uh, Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. It's available on Amazon. Uh, I hear from a good source. It's going to be a classic. Uh, although Frank himself told me that, so I don't know how good that source is. But I tell you, as we went through that book, it was it's life-changing for so many people. Please pop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Sign up for our newsletter and uh, follow us on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and including our new and improved and constantly expanding YouTube channel. And once again, as always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 6 that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope. And that hope is Jesus, a bedrock, immovable Savior. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you, as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.